Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a man whose lawyers file lawsuits under plenty of perjury to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the argument from consequences, also known as the appeals of consequences and argumentum ad consequentium. I say we, but I'm going to have to leave you in the capable hands of Jim flying solo with the help from one or two others in a have-I-got-news-for-you kind of way for the next several episodes. The work I'm currently doing means there'd be a conflict of policies in doing this, especially at the moment. But I'll be back to joining the fun again when this period is over. Meanwhile then, I'll hand you back over to Jim to explain the argument from consequences. So the argument from consequences is when... People try and argue the truth of a statement by pointing out how bad it would be if the statement wasn't true or if their opinion was not correct. Or alternatively, how good it would be if it was correct. Obviously, the consequence of a thing being correct or not, or true or not, is not necessarily related to to whether it is actually true or not. And for our Trump example this week... I've actually, for the first time in now 65 episodes, I haven't got an actual clip or a tweet from Trump. Um, and I'm, and it's Christmas. I'm throwing myself on the mercy of the listeners at Christmas. I hope you'll be kind to me and forgive me for this. But it's actually really hard to pin down specifically for this fallacy, uh, Trump kind of making this argument in, a, in any kind of coherent way. But what he's been doing basically since the election... And even prior to the election, when he was saying that the election was going to be rigged and that was the only way he could lose. And certainly since when he's been saying basically all of the numbers are fake, we won big in insert name of state here, is what he's essentially saying is that the numbers must be fake because if they were real, then that means I lost and I can't have lost that can't have happened. I don't believe that happened. That's just um, too too far beyond reality. So the consequence, therefore, of of the numbers being real, of the actual vote being fair, and and the number of votes that he got versus the number of votes that Biden got being the truth, is that that he must have lost because people don't like him enough, basically. And he, he simply cannot accept that. Therefore, because the consequences are unpleasant to him, he is using that essentially to, to make the claim that those numbers aren't true. Those numbers are fake and he did actually win. Because that means that he's the victim and people are out to get him and... Uh, it's all unfair and he really is the legitimate winner of the election and that he can accept again i hope that you'll accept that this uh, is is implied in what he's saying uh, because i again he's he hasn't come out and said at any point if 
the election wasn't rigged, it means people don't like me. But it's not surprising that he hasn't said that because there's not a chance in hell that he is prepared to accept that as a possibility, that he is prepared to accept that genuinely he is hated so much by so many people for such good reasons that Biden did better than Obama did. And he isn't, you know, he said it's ridiculous to to, to believe that Biden actually outperformed Obama. Um, because, yeah, Obama was very popular and they, a lot of people came out and voted for him. A lot of people who hadn't even necessarily voted before came out and voted for him. But, um, you know, Obama wasn't running against Trump. He was running against Romney and he was running against McCain. Um, and the the people didn't um, didn't hate those alternatives so much that they came out and voted in big numbers for Obama. He brought people together to to vote for him because of the the kind of positivity and the the hope for positive change. With Biden, there's a combination of there's there's a certain number of people who think that Biden's going to be great. There's a huge number of people that think he's going to be better than the alternative and there's a lot of people who it doesn't matter what the alternative to trump is that's what they're going to choose that's what they chose on uh, the beginning of november and i mean i'm there <laughs> we were telling people for we've been telling people all year you know vote blue no matter who the important thing is not trump not trump is the the best option and back when mark and i looked at the um I side with dot com back at the very beginning of the the primaries and the and the the democratic debates we were saying you know Biden isn't our candidate we're not sold on him we we ranked the various democratic candidates and he was he was well down on our list we had a lot of people up there all kind of aligned with our views in the 90% and and around that area um you know we were we were all out for Warren and and Harris and Sanders and um, even people like you know Castro and Buttigieg and and a number of of better options in our opinion at that point we didn't even get down to the level that we were talking about Biden except to say that you know he seems like it's he's he's got a reasonable chance but not our favourite but even back then. We were saying if it comes down to Biden versus Trump and Biden all the way. <laughs> and that, I think, is is the reason that we got the outcome that we got. And it's also the reason that Trump can't accept the outcome. So, again, with, with the argument from consequences, he is looking at the reality of a situation that he doesn't find acceptable and is is making, therefore, a claim about a truth claim about the thing that led to that consequence. It's more commonly done for this fallacy to be something that would be hypothetical or something that is uh, happening in the future. Because you can say, well, if this happens to be true, then that will lead to this outcome and that outcome would be bad, therefore it can't be true. The other element that I was looking at examples with Trump here is in terms of climate change. Um, and he has linked climate change and certainly wind power and things like that a lot to the cost. Uh, certainly the cost of things like the Paris Accord and the cost of, of wind 
turbines being put up and and the fact that they're made in China and Germany and they don't make them in the US and all of that kind of stuff, um, which is, again, it's it's not a very neat example of the fallacy. Um, it's an implied example and you can look at it and you can kind of turn it around and say, yeah, that, that fits because he hasn't specifically come out and said, I don't think climate change is real because if it's real, the amount of investment that that will require from the US economy is too high. It, and it would be a weird kind of way to phrase it. But among his very um, kind of strongest arguments and his most repeated arguments for not taking climate change seriously has been the uh, the cost. And obviously, that has nothing to do with whether climate change needs to be taken seriously, whether it is a, a serious enough problem that we need to do something about it now, because otherwise there's going to be problems, or I mean, huge, bigger problems than there are. And now is the time, I think, for Marx's British politics. Corner. So we're heading towards the deadline of the UK crashing out of the EU. And obviously, Boris has been saying for a long time that um, we will be brilliant, we'll have everything we want, and we'll have no problems. Other politicians said that making a deal with the EU and figuring out a great deal on Brexit will be the easiest thing ever. Uh, obviously, we're now at the point where we're about to exit and they have no deal. But Boris Johnson has been telling us that it's all going to be fine for a long time. And back in July 2017, he said this. The chances of such an outcome are vanishingly unlikely since it is manifestly in the interests of both sides of the channel to get a great free trade deal and a new deep and special partnership between us and the European Union. And that is what we are going to achieve. And similarly, he said in a, a rather more... Uh, direct and succinct way. There is no plan for no deal because we are going to get a great deal. So here Boris was saying essentially that, um, yes, of course, we're going to get a deal. Of course we are, because um, it's in everyone's best interest for there to be a deal. The fact that it would be good if a deal happened, I mean, is was arguable back then at best. But ev even if we take that at face value, even if we say, yes, OK, there is such a thing as a good Brexit deal that will please everyone, that will that everyone will be happy with and that will be better than the um, system that we had as part of uh, the EU, then even if you accept that exists, then it's not reasonable to say, it's not logical to say that we will get that deal because um, it would be good if we got that deal. That's not how that works. The attempt to get the deal, the negotiations to get whatever deal and or even to figure out what a good deal looks like is a process that needs to be gone through and ha has many obstacles, has had many obstacles along the way before you can get to a point where you have a deal that people in any way are happy with before you leave the EU. So, so the fact that it would be great to have a good deal has nothing to do with the idea of whether that deal is is going to be easy to make or able to be made. It's not possibly right and only seeks confusion If you're logically slide from premise to conclusion 
fallacy in the wild we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective and this week we start with a clip that's going to need a little bit of contextualizing <laughs> so uh first of all a couple of british programs there's a there's a british tv program like a daytime show called countdown that i don't know if it's made it across to america at all or even much outside the uk i expect some some people have probably heard of it outside the uk but it's a kind of an institution in the uk and there's also a, a late night panel comedy show with stand up comedians called Eight Out of Ten Cats. And at some point, the people who made Eight Out of Ten Cats, the, the comedy show, started playing Countdown on a related show that they started t- calling Eight Out of Ten Cats Does Countdown. So that's the, the show that this clip is from. It's a it's a mixture of late night comedy with stand up comedians, uh, with a a kind of very basic um, words and numbers based kind of quiz show. <laughs> and in the introductions they do to the various stand ups, they ask them if they have a mascot to kind of bring them luck in the game. And the absolutely brilliant comedian David Mitchell. Uh, on one episode said this. David, have you got a mascot? I do have a mascot, yes. This has actually uh, cost me a lot of money on eBay. Um, and this is some of the Duchess of Cambridge, or um, Kate Middleton as she then was, mm-hmm. some of her toenail clippings. <laughs> and there we go, you see? There's a little toenail clipping of oh, a very, God. very royal person there. That, what do you mean, uh? <laughs> How do you know they're genuine? Uh, uh, well, I mean... Uh, it cost me £25,000. <laughs> that's, that's just not... That can't be ordinary ones, can it? That's, that's definitely from her. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, this is a great example of the argument from consequences because the fact that it would be bad if David had spent £25,000 on just completely ordinary toenail clippings doesn't make it less likely that they are completely ordinary toenail clippings but that is absolutely the argument that he's making in this in this bit and um yeah the it uh, that would be a terrible thing that the it would be a terrible thing if someone were to try and sell toenail clippings on ebay for twenty five thousand pounds pretending that they belong to a minor royal or or to, i mean maybe that's a little bit dismissive of kate middleton but anyway to do that on ebay would be bad therefore they can't have done that so they're definitely the real thing is the argument that he's making our second example is from the 90s sci-fi film contact which was based on a a novel by carl sagan and this is from a scene where uh fairly early on in the film where jodie foster the scientist is talking to matthew mcconaughey the the believer the god believer so what's more likely thank you an all-powerful, mysterious God created the universe and then decided not to give any proof of his existence, or that he simply doesn't exist at all, and that we created him so we wouldn't have to feel so small and alone. I don't know. I couldn't imagine living in a world where God didn't exist. You know, I wouldn't want to. 
So this is a, a fairly common refrain from religious people that it is unpleasant to think about the possibility of God not existing. Therefore, they believe. Obviously, that has no impact on whether or not God exists. The fact that, in their view, a, a world where God didn't exist is unpleasant to think about and somewhere you wouldn't want to be. I'm using this clip to represent a number of uh, views espoused by religious people, among them things like evolution. People saying that if evolution happened by, by well, you know, what they describe as chance, then that means that, uh, you know, there isn't a creator who had a hand directly in what we're like as people and, and has some interest in us and, and made us in their own image. And that, therefore, because they want that to be true, therefore evolution must be false. That's probably a, a less common thing. One of the more common is the idea of life after death. A lot of people, not just necessarily Christian religious people, but people of various stripes would say, although they may not specifically express it in these terms, they are uncomfortable with the idea of uh, death being the end. They just can't imagine the fact that, you know, that this is it, this is all there is. And therefore, um, you know, life after death must be true because there can't just be nothing after you die. Um, again, the fact that that makes them have difficult feelings to deal with and difficult thoughts and emotions makes it no less likely to be true that there is, in fact, nothing after you die. And in this way, there's some crossover with the argument from personal incredulity. So a situation where people simply just can't imagine the alternative or can't accept that the alternative could be true or is a possibility means that they they accept their version and and think well yeah this is this is clearly true because i i can't imagine a situation where the other one is true the the difference here specifically i think is that they get some benefit or they get at least a good feeling about the alternative that it helps them in some way and i mean this is also similar to things like pascal's wager and things like people saying you know religion is positive because it offers people comfort if you know loved ones die or something like that which in some cases may be true um not necessarily all cases but certainly again even if it is true has no impact on whether the claims made by the religion are true or not and so in this clip Jodie Foster is making a completely reasonable argument and and you know saying she's essentially using Occam's razor I think she actually mentions Occam's razor earlier in the scene saying you know what what is more likely an all-powerful magical sky being who has an interest in our lives but has specifically made an effort not to provide any evidence of his existence or us wanting that to be true and yeah McConaughey's answer um is just well I I think that I wouldn't like it if it wasn't true <laughs> I wouldn't like it if the world was a world where God didn't exist yeah that's not an argument that doesn't make, that makes no difference our third example in this section this week involves a legal case in the UK, a reasonably famous legal case called the Birmingham Six. This was about a couple of um, Birmingham pub bombings in 1974, which the IRA took, uh, the Irish Republican Army took responsibility for. And 
the people who were arrested, convicted, in fact sentenced to life imprisonment for being a part of this, argued that they were innocent and that their confessions had been uh, coerced. And the IRA, in fact, said that the the six people weren't members of their organisation. In 1980, the uh, still incarcerated Birmingham Six made a civil claim against the police, arguing that they had essentially been framed. And the judge that sat on the bench for the case was Lord Denning. And he dismissed the case. He, He dismissed their claim against the police. And in doing so, he said... Just consider the course of events if their action were to proceed to trial. If the six men failed, it would mean that much time and money and worry would have been expended by many people to no good purpose. If they won, it would mean that the police were guilty of perjury, that they were guilty of violence and threats, that the confessions were involuntary and improperly admitted in evidence, and that the convictions were erroneous. That was such an appalling vista that every sensible person would say it cannot be right that these actions should go any further. So he's right in saying that if the six men failed in their appeal, if indeed they were guilty, that it would mean a lot of time and money and worry uh, would have been expended by many people to no good purpose. That's, That's fair up to that point. However, what he then goes on to say is if they won, if they if they turned out to be innocent, then that would mean various things that we are uncomfortable with. That would mean that the confessions were were not voluntarily given, that um, that the police were guilty of lying and violence, that um, these convictions weren't actually good convictions. And that is awful. So, therefore, I'm not going to allow this case to continue. Obviously, that's... That doesn't work at all. <laughs> the fact that it would be awful if if six people were convicted to life imprisonment and sentenced to life imprisonment um, for something they didn't do isn't a reason to assume that they must have done it or that they, they don't have any recourse in law. Because, yes, it would be awful if it turned out that they were innocent. And in fact... In 1991, their convictions were quashed and, and the the six men would later receive about a million pounds in compensation each. But the fact that it turned out that they were innocent, even though that came with all of the feelings of the fact that these were convictions which were essentially beaten out of these men, that's uncomfortable. And it should be uncomfortable. It should make people feel like something needed to be done about that. The thing that that Lord Denning wanted done about it was let's not talk about it let's not ask the question are these people innocent again because if it turns out they are we'd all feel bad you know final example in the fallacy in the wild a packed fallacy in the wild segment this christmas is this very podcast um regular listeners will know that we do a fake news segment it, one's coming up very soon in which i ask Uh, Mark, to figure out which one of three Trump quotes I made up and which two are real. And uh, one thing that he says from time to time is that he, part of his decision-making process is that he really hopes that he wants to hear Trump say some of the things that I read out. And and therefore, sometimes that makes uh, him choose a particular one over another option. 
Uh, here's an example of that. I think number one is the one that you made up. Okay, so of the other two, which are you more convinced that he said? <laughs> Uh, the 15, because the okay. other one, I just, I just, I think is wishful thinking. I just wanted <laughs> to say it. Uh, obviously, Mark has to make the decision somehow. <laughs> and yes, when you are making decisions uh, and, and picking something out of a, out of a lineup or out of a uh, set of options, emotion comes into play. One of his emotions that he feels is that some of these are so good, he really wants them to be true. Um, and, and therefore he picks them as one of the true options and he picks a different one as the fake news. Obviously, the fact that he would like to hear Trump say it or the fact that he think he wants that to be something that Trump said, it isn't um, an indication that that is in fact something that Trump said. But uh, I'll let him off because many of the things that he says, oh, I really hope he said that, it turn out to be things that he did actually say. <laughs> So before we move on to fake news this week, I want to wish all of our listeners a very Merry Christmas. And more than that, I don't just want to wish you a Merry Christmas and then have you listen to this and kind of go away. I want to give you some Christmas stuff. So that's what we're going to do. We are going to, to give you special things for Christmas in your feed. If you're a regular listener, there will be something special for you on Christmas Day in the regular podcast feed and if you're a patron there'll be something even more special for you on patreon on christmas day so keep an eye out for that but not only that it's not enough just for us to give you some special stuff for for both regular listeners and patrons we also want to give one listener something even more special as a christmas present so we have a very short running competition to win a free long sleeve t-shirt from our tea public store this is a competition that is running in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. And it's very, very, very easy. All we want you to do is if you have a guest that you think we should have on the show, that you would like us to contact and say, please come on and, and talk to us. If you have other podcasts that you listen to, we are not jealous that's fine. You're allowed to have other podcasts that you listen to. If you if you would think that they would be a good fit for the show, if you'd like to have the hosts of the shows come and, and talk to us, then let us know on our Facebook page. There's, there'll be a, a pinned post where you can go to and just reply and, and tell us the guests that you think we should have on the show. And another way you can enter this competition is just tell us your favourite thing that has been on the show this year in 2020 what was what has been your favorite episode your favorite clip your favorite fake news something that's made you laugh or made you think or taught you something or just been interesting to you uh, what have you really enjoyed this year on fallacious trump so you can get actually two entries into this competition by telling us a thing you enjoyed about this year on fallacious trump and a guest that you'd like us to have on the show and you have to go and do this straight away. If you're listening to this after I've uploaded the show, you have to go straight away to, to Facebook and do it because the closing date is when Santa comes down the chimney. The closing date is midnight on Christmas Eve, whatever time zone you're in, midnight on Christmas Eve. You have to get your options of, of which guests we should have or your favourite bit of fallacious Trump in 2020 
and we'll pick a winner out of a hat and send that person uh, a long sleeve t-shirt of their choice from our T Public store. So if you do this, on top of the special Christmas stuff you'll get on Christmas Day in your feed, you'll also get an email in your inbox if you win to say Merry Christmas, have a free t-shirt from us. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up. And this week, Frank has to figure out which one is fake news. Welcome, Frank. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, it's it's our Christmas episode. So obviously we have to have a Christmas theme for the quotes. So it's just um, it's times Trump has mentioned Christmas, basically. It's, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't go any more deep than that. Or, That's or, so fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So statement number one is uh, remember, we used to say Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Then they said we can't say Christmas. But I campaigned on that. And when I got elected, I called them up and said, we're saying Christmas again. And now you can. I did that and nobody talks about it. Nice, so nice. statement number two, uh, statement number two, actually, this one is more recent. It's post-election. So uh, he said, no oil, no guns, no God. Oh, they won. I don't think so. OK, I don't think so. We knew that a long time ago. They want to take away your jobs, take away your borders, take away your freedom, take away your religion, and they even want to take away your beautiful Christmas that we just got back. <laughs> got back. From who? Who's taking it? I suppose. Okay. <laughs> and statement number three. I have a very good relationship with Kim Jong-un. I know he's sending out certain messages about Christmas presents, and I hope his Christmas present is a beautiful vase. That's what I'd like, a vase, as opposed to something else. Oh yes, the the well known double entendre of a vase. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe maybe he looked over to Melania as he said that, and she was like furiously scribbling that down. <laughs> All right then. Well, what a great selection. I see. Number one, he does often talk about the metaphorical they and contacting them, whoever they are. Um, so calling them up to say we're saying you know christmas again it's hard Doesn't to know sound... who you'd call up really isn't it well quite yeah yeah santa perhaps i don't know i feel like santa's probably quite anti-trump although he is himself a capitalist <laughs> slave owner so who's to say True. anyway i hope no children are listening it's ruined <laughs> christmas um no oils no guns no god i feel like would be an excellent slogan for like greenpeace their atheist wing um i might get that as a tattoo but yeah, I reckon, I think he talks about Kim Jong for somebody who, you know, a lot for, I don't know that America has very much to do with North Korea currently. I feel like, you know, their thoughts are very much focused on the internal. So I'm I'm concerned that perhaps that one is fake, but I just love it so much. I want it to be real. Every time I listen, I'm like, well, I really love that one. So I'm just <laughs> going to go with that one. I'd like to know what Trump thinks a beautiful vase is because I reckon he's got horrific taste. Because wasn't there one year, did you see um, those memes where they compared the Trump White House Christmas decorations <laughs> yeah. to the Obama? Yeah, and it was horrific. It was like a horrible Absolutely. chrome future 
rubbish. But anyway, yeah, this let, year actually um, they've gone kind of they've gone a bit more normal this year, which I think <laughs> is probably a response to the the audio that came out a few months ago of Melania saying, you know, fuck Christmas, who gives a shit about Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> so I think they've um, they've tried to tone it down a bit. Oh my goodness! I hope now that he's out of office, she can finally be free. <laughs> right, I'm gonna. So two of these are real and one is made up. That's okay. right. Yeah. Well, I did that and nobody talks about it. I'd I want to say number one is real because he does often call up the them, um, as he mentions. Um but I just love the the other two so much. I don't think the Vars one is is gonna be real because I think he likes to talk about religion as a talking point and no oil, no guns, no God. That's sort of the three things that he runs on only. So I think um, I reckon number one and two are the real ones. And I feel like I've let the team down immediately because I feel <laughs> like that's wrong. But um, yeah, we'll see. I can no longer see when I listen in the car with Dan, I can no longer be like, well, you're a bit rubbish if I've gotten this uh-huh. wrong but I'll, I'll just have to come back and, and write it if it is wrong. So there's, that's my final answer then. One and two okay. are real. So you think three is fake. So of the I other think. two, which do you which are you more convinced by? Uh, number two. Okay. So mm. number two is real. Nice. nice no nice oil, one. no guns, no God. Oh, they won. I don't think so. Okay, I don't think We knew that a long time ago. They want to take away your jobs, take away your borders, take away your freedom, take away your religion. And they even want to take away your beautiful Christmas that we just got back. <laughs> I, I'm interested. That what is the wider context? Where did we just get it back? From? This was just at a rally that was actually last week. Mm. Um, and and I, it, I, it was in Valdosta, Georgia. I think that he is referring to COVID. Mm. And, yeah. and now that now that you know, he's come up with a virus and solved the problem yeah. of COVID. That, <laughs> that, that everyone can just have Christmas again. So it's fine. But yeah, um, we'll ignore the fact that Democrats he... want to take it away. Yes, well, quite. Not that he was the reason that COVID almost took it away anyway. But yeah. of course yeah. not. How could, how could he? Yeah, and unfortunately has taken it away for a large number of people. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, <God>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So uh, you also think that number one is real and number one is fake news no oh the bars i should have gone with the bars god yeah of course his his love of of china (laughs) as it were just damn it he did indeed say uh number three i have a very good relationship with kim jong-un i know he's uh sending out certain messages about Christmas presents, and I hope his Christmas present is a beautiful vase. That's what I like, a vase, as opposed to something else. What does, what does it mean? <laughs> I might clarify I as well yeah. that his so... love of China was in reference to the vase. I wasn't getting Kim Jong wrong. <laughs> what does that mean? So uh, this was um, Christmas 2019, and uh, Kim Jong Un basically they they'd been trying to um, argue about denuclearization most mm. of the year trump claimed that um kim had signed a kind of contract or an agreement saying that they would denuclearize which he definitely didn't do um <laughs> and and around this time 
tensions were rising again and Kim said that or or a representative mm. for, for North Korea said that um you know the US had better kind of be careful because otherwise they might get a Christmas gift they don't want or something like that. <laughs> and um and so <laughs> Trump was saying, Well, maybe it's just a vase. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Yeah, nothing to worry about. I'm sure it's just a vase. <laughs> It's probably not intercontinental ballistic missiles. That's that's probably not what he's talking about. Maybe so. it's one of those inner bars. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Yeah, anyway. yeah it could be. But goodness, well, so, God, I, so I that feel... Was that. So unfortunately, yes, number one was... was uh, I made that up. But they, I mean, he has, to be fair, said frequently things like, you know, mm. you didn't used to be able to say Christmas and now you can say Christmas, which obviously isn't true in any way. Yeah. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, he's claimed... Well he's claimed the kind of credit for that a few times, but not not quite in that way. And I don't think he's talked about calling anyone up and saying we're saying Christmas again. So, but I wouldn't put it past him. No, well, quite. <laughs> oh well, I honestly every time I let you write these so well, it's quite fantastic. So you should. Well, thanks for so, a speech writer. I just, job. I'm worried about my mental health. If I keep <laughs> but there you go. So, <laughs> brilliant. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Please do come back and have another go another time. I shall, I shall. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Yes, it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called Psychic Nikki is still not a logical fallacy. And you may remember if you're a regular listener, if you've been listening for uh, at least a year, that um, at the beginning of 2020, we looked at a the website of a, a psychic to the stars called Psychic Nikki to find out what that shit's all about, <laughs> and um, it was it was very illuminating. We found out that that Psychic Nikki makes thousands of predictions, basically almost a thousand, I think, to be fair, every year, and and then claims that some of them have come true many of which we looked at and couldn't verify uh, and many others were things that were just ridiculously obvious or extremely likely um like things for example like the uh, duke of edinburgh having possible health issues and i mean that was he's 98 so yeah it's quite likely um and you know earthquakes on fault lines and things like that. So it's ridiculous the 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 vagueness of uh, most of her um predictions the ones at least that she claims come true some of her predictions are extremely uh, not accurate I was almost going to say accurate there but specific extremely weirdly specific um like it is the kind of thing which is is never going to happen but if it by some chance happen then you can claim victory for the rest of your life based on that. You could point to something and say, look, I, I predicted that the year before. I knew it was going to happen. And, and that would be you as a psychic just kind of made for life. But what I got to thinking was that 2020 has been a, a, a pretty eventful year. And, uh, and, and if you're psychic... Um, I kind of feel like you would have seen at least a bit of it coming. Some of the things that happened this year, some of the kind of major issues, might have just, you know, had enough psychic energy to be picked up 
by someone who is truly, you know, someone who truly has the gift. So I thought what I'd do is go back and look at what predictions Psychic Nikki made for 2020 and see if she actually talked about any of the things that have been quite big news stories this year. No. <laughs> Uh, now you'll be surprised to find that um, that she didn't. There, she she made some vague predictions that uh, come the beginning of of twenty twenty one when she um, makes her twenty twenty one predictions and and claims victory for some of the ones she's made in twenty twenty. Um, I'm sure that she will say some of these have come true because they were sufficiently vague that that there are some things that she can point to and say well absolutely things for example like health issues for donald trump yeah he got the coronavirus so that's that's a hit it's also not surprising the the 74 year old morbidly obese person with a terrible diet might have health issues uh, but but yeah she'll claim that as a hit fair enough uh, you know we'll score her a, a win on that one uh, things like her, her first prediction in 2020 was the White House under attack. I mean, it's attacked on a reasonably regular basis by individuals because, I mean, that's why they have a huge amount of security and, and um, you know, the Secret Service there. Um, people try and get on the grounds. Obviously, it's a target for crazy people. I expect that she'll point to the uh, the protests in Washington, D.C., as a win for that, for the White House being under attack. Uh, and also, she did talk about riots and protests in Washington, D.C., which, again, at the beginning of 2020, Trump had already been president for three years. And there's been, I mean, riots may be arguable, but protests in Washington, D.C. on a very regular basis. So, so it's again, it's a given. It's like saying a film star will make a film. It's not a surprise, let's say. It's not something you would think someone would need to have psychic powers to be able to predict. Uh, but I wanted to go through some of the, um, the the bigger predictions that she made for this year. And also just to note that she didn't mention a virus at all. Yeah, I would think that, that if you were, if you had any form of ability to look into the future and you looked from 2019 into 2020 i mean that's the kind of thing that'd stand out i think for this year there was there's there's no mention at all in her in her roughly 1000 predictions for 2020 of of lockdowns um of um you know um, a pandemic a, a virus a major health emergency any of the stuff that has happened this year, basically, that has featured in the news a lot, uh, that has kind of taken over our lives completely and has made this year really different. And I think that the kind of, that'd be the kind of thing that would you'd notice if you had psychic ability. But no, no mention of viruses, lockdowns, health issues and hospital stays for individual people, she's mentioned, including, as I said, uh, health issues for, for Donald Trump and a hospital stay for Rudy Giuliani, which have both come true. A, a startling lack of context there, I think, though, to a point where if she has any psychic ability at all, I mean, I'd, I'd, I think I'd be generous in calling it 
utterly useless. Because if you if you thought, okay, well, you know, Giuliani is going to be in hospital at some point, the the quite elderly, almost certainly very unhealthy Rudy Giuliani, um is is going to be going to hospital at some point during this year. What can be done about that? I mean, it would be much more useful if they said, yeah, that's because a a global pandemic has been allowed to spread out of control and um, Trump contests the election that he lost, meaning that Giuliani has to kind of tour the country having meetings that where he refuses to wear a mask with lots of different people. That's then something that could be done something about in advance. Um, the election barely mentioned, which is a surprise because I could have told you at the end of 2019 that there was going to be an election in 2020. But Psychic Nikki's third prediction in her big list, her, her list of about 650 numbered uh, world predictions, uh, 675 total, but there's a lot of repeats in there, is... I don't see President Trump or Joe Biden being elected in 2020, but someone else still to come forward. So she thought that by the beginning of 2020, we still hadn't kind of met the person who was going to be president. Uh, so, I mean, that's not a good prediction. And and again, absolutely nothing on uh, Trump losing. I mean, it, she says Trump will lose in essentially by saying that I don't see President Trump being elected in 2020. So she she's probably going to claim that as victory, but says nothing about the insane response from Trump and his followers to to the election. Again, that's been a pretty significant thing that's happened in the last two months of the year um, that that has, again, been in the news of it kind of thing that that you would think would be noticed by someone with genuine psychic ability. Um, but no, the 2020 election that was guaranteed to happen when she wrote these predictions didn't warrant more than a, than a single line in which she just said the person who was going to be elected would be someone who, who hasn't even come forward yet. Brilliant. Some other ones which, which are really high stakes ones that she was very specific about but hideously wrong and 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 i mean i i would have been happy to bet a lot of money against at the beginning of 2020 are things like world war three <laughs> but she says it'll be a very short war and then more peace uh, the more is doing a lot of work in that sentence i think you'd need to find the peace first Another one is a heist at Buckingham Palace, stealing millions of dollars worth of jewellery and paintings. In fact, it looks like she's been watching a box set of the Oceans films um, because she also predicted a heist at the famous Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, um, a famous racehorse being stolen, and various other things that, that just sound like she's kind of been, been looking at some low-budget heist movies and thinking, yeah, could happen. A baseball team is kidnapped and held for ransom. That's a that's a lot of people to kidnap. You'd need a big team, I think, for that. Oh, here's one she did get right, although more local than global. She said sky turning different colours all over the world, which isn't true, obviously, but um, but very different colours in California. 
specifically earlier this year. And one of the ones we mentioned last year, at the beginning of this year, as as one of her predictions that she's had on, on the list for a few years, is a live dinosaur will be found near a university, which is raising the hopeful bar to a to a specific and new level. She made a few predictions about the Trump family. She said Melania Trump will have a breakdown. I mean, that could be true. It's possible. She said um, problems around Donald Trump Jr. She doesn't go into any more uh, detail than that. So, that I mean, that's a definite yes. There, there are problems around Donald Trump Jr. So... I can't argue with that at all. There's, um, she also suggested that Trump might resign, uh, which, you know, there's still a few days left, um, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. She said that Donald Trump will attack North Korea, which he didn't really. In fact, he's he's been nothing but kind of loving to North Korea. Um, she also said that the people of North Korea would rise up and overthrow their leader, uh, which was optimistic, I think, at best. Um, she predicted various terrorist attacks, basically any any big city she could think of. She said a terrorist attack in London, Paris, New York, Boston, Chicago, and, and so on. There's lots of mentions of riots, but nothing about Black Lives Matter or racism or anything like that. No kind of specifics on the protests. Uh, one prediction was Piers Morgan being arrested, which sadly did not happen uh, and certainly would not have led to riots. But my absolute favourite of all 675 numbered uh, predictions, all of the the hundreds of celebrities that she mentioned, most of whom were either ill or already in bad health, that she claimed needed to be careful around their health, uh, claims about international weather or uh, celebrities including the fact that Kanye West will have a meltdown which is surely the one most likely to come true in any given month Um, the absolute favourite of mine of all of her predictions was prediction number 247 penguins invading cities my wish for next year for 2021 is that she will put that on her list again and it comes true. Because the cutest invasion ever. So, as we talked about at the beginning of the year, um, Nikki has a combination of um, just extremely obvious, extremely vague claims that she can then shoehorn things that are almost inevitably going to happen into uh, claiming success on and and no doubt in a couple of weeks she will release her her 2021 predictions and her successes for 2020 um and and there'll be a list last time it was around 60 or 65 out of the thousand that she claimed she got right the sheer number means that it would be weird if none of them came true at all especially when most of them are as vague as they are or as or as inevitable as they are like like earthquakes on a fault line but the weird thing is that not only does she predict such specific things, um, which which seem ridiculously unlikely, but that she didn't have anything to say about inevitable events like the election, really, um, and, and obviously didn't foresee 
the I mean the 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 news story of the century it just didn't have any impact on her whatsoever. So as before, I remain skeptical about psychic Nikki's actual psychic ability and uh we'll see if any penguins invade any cities within the next week before the end of 2020. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Some people suggest that Trump has been completely ineffective in the fight against COVID-19 and that he has exhibited a cavalier, even criminal disinterest in reducing the US death toll. I say those people have underestimated Trump. He's not ignoring the pandemic. In fact, even while attempting to overthrow the democratically elected 46th president, his administration still found time as recently as last month to turn down the opportunity to secure more doses of the Pfizer vaccine, ensuring that millions of Americans will have to wait longer to be vaccinated. Not content with that, they're also fucking up the distribution, with many states getting fewer doses than they were promised. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis blamed production issues, and Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar said Pfizer may need help on their manufacturing. But Pfizer weren't going to take that shit lying down and released a statement saying, This week we successfully shipped all 2.9 million doses that we were asked to ship by the US government to the locations specified by them. We have millions more doses sitting in our warehouse, but as of now, we have not received any shipment instructions for additional doses. After a year of denying a policy of doing nothing at all about the China virus, set blame it on China, and those pesky scientific experts who keep telling me that the nothing I'm doing is actually quite dangerous... A slew of emails from Trump appointee and therefore not a scientist, Paul Alexander, reveal that's exactly what was going on. The subcommittee investigating the coronavirus response has had sight of emails from Alexander advocating the oft-denied herd immunity policies. You can tell he's a Trump appointee because when schools and campuses were closed, he said, A, we essentially took off the battlefield the most potent weapon we had, younger healthy people who we needed to fastly infect themselves, and B, if it is more infectiousness now, the issue is who cares? And that C, they always knew the president's policies would cause a rise in cases and they plotted to blame the spread of the virus on career scientists. Well, you know what, Donny? When the numbers are against you, votes or deaths, eventually people get fed up of taking the fall and start pointing at patient zero. You. Thank goodness there are organisations like the CDC where doctors, researchers and other scientists can work to combat the virus free of any political interference. Well, that's the theory. But earlier this month, senior CDC official Charlotte Kent revealed to that House subcommittee that CDC staff were instructed to delete one of the emails from Paul Alexander. That email, sent in August, demanded changes to the CDC's weekly report to bring it more in line with Trump's public statements. And then last week, former CDC Chief of Staff Kyle McGowan and his deputy Amanda Campbell went public in a New York Times interview about the massive level of White House interference into their work, with McGowan saying, every time that the science clashed with the messaging, messaging won. Well, at least there's only a few more weeks now until scientists are allowed to science again. The home of Kelly Loeffler, a Republican candidate in the runoff for the Senate seat in Georgia and seemingly married to Auric Goldfinger, was discovered in an investigation by the Daily Beast to have had its property tax bracket reassessed in 2016. Having been assessed for tax purposes at the $10.5 million it cost them to buy in 2011, and despite a further million or so spent in architectural improvements, the valuation was dropped to $4 million four years ago, that's around 60%, bringing a significant cut in their annual tax bill. 
Whilst the beast draws no conclusions, it quotes a spokesman for Fulton County, where the house is, who says, The employees responsible for these changes, including the appraiser, the residential property manager, the deputy chief appraiser and the chief appraiser, are no longer with Fulton County. And there is no documentation suggesting the cause of these changes. So they're either paid way over the odds when they bought it, or the assessment system is a mess, or worse, someone's spoken to someone else about something, none of which appears to be substantiatable now. In any case, would you want this person being your representative? If you ask Trump, of course, which we're not, she seems just the right kind of honest. After all, she was investigated in connection with the 2020 congressional insider trading scandal after selling stock in companies vulnerable to the COVID-19 pandemic, valued at $7 million, and thus the kind of down-to-earth, appealing to suburban, blue-collar worker moms of the people person that Trump likes endorsing. Vote wisely, Georgia. When Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit with the Supreme Court attempting to get the election results of four other states thrown out, coincidentally all states won by Biden, it seemed like just the latest in a long line of batshit crazy, incoherent and unwinnable lawsuits. It also seemed like it was a blatant attempt from Paxton to secure a Christmas pardon from Trump since he's currently under indictment for securities fraud and being investigated by the FBI for illegal abuse of political power to benefit a donor. However, the fact that it was one of the last batshit unwinnable lawsuits seemed to turn it into a cause celebre of any Republicans desperate to display their devotion to dear leader. 17 other GOP attorneys general and 126 House Republicans signed on to an amicus brief supporting the lawsuit and even the totally real states of New Nevada and New California got on board and I am not making that up. In a 9-0 decision, the Supreme Court declined to hear the bullshit lawsuit, with Alito and Thomas releasing a statement, not a dissent, saying that Paxton should be allowed to file the lawsuit, but they definitely wouldn't rule in his favour. Any self-aware, community-focused person would, rightly or wrongly, ponder how much your neighbours would want you in their neighbourhood if they and their lawyers are paying so much attention to the small print in your property deeds. When Trump bought Mar-a-Lago, a residential home, and turned it into a business resort, you may recall him playing golf there once, twice, or 300 times in the last four years. One of the stipulations for planning permission was that it was no longer a residence. Fine, until, you know, you become the ex-president and a tan-faced retiree all at the same time and need a place to live in the sun to preserve the plethora of your external hide. Mar-a-Lago's neighbours are keen to point out that very clause in order to stop the whippy-haired killer clown from bringing his circus to town permanently, having complained about the noise, parking and security restrictions that befell them every one of those 300 or so times he chose to work from home on the putting green. Comes to something when even slowly basting right-wing Republican voting geezers in mobility scooters don't want their own kind soiling the lawns next door. Paraguay or Brazil were always favourite destinations for disgraced despots in the late 40s. Could still work? Trump's son-in-law and creepy Victorian waxwork Jared Kushner reportedly set up a shell company that spent over half a billion dollars of Trump 2020 campaign funds in consulting fees, much of which appears to have secretly gone to Trump family members and top advisers. Some have accused former Trump campaign manager Brad Pascal of mismanaging the money, but campaign finance records show that $415 million of it was spent after Pascal was fired back in July. But sure, let's talk about Hunter Biden instead. He probably did much worse stuff. It can be a bit of a chore at Christmas, hey? The prospect of travelling for hours, meeting relatives, talking to people you've really nothing in common with and playing ridiculous games with people who think you're not worth their time. 
Well, thanks to Boris Grinchmas and his troop of sorry elves, all that's been taken care of this year. Build up your relatives' hopes and then... Oh dear, nightmare. Some sort of bug has broken out. What's it like? Oh, no worse than the previous one. It's just that we think little pretty may get it quicker than other people have before. So actually, we can't go outside at all. What? Not even to visit Gran? You know how much she loves you. No, no. Especially not her. And this way, you see, you don't even have to speak to those Europeans who always seem so much more grown up than you and concerned for other people and make you feel small and selfish and stupid. And your chum, who pretends he's Lord Snooty in his granddad's trousers, knobby wee smug, well, he can complain about those bloody do-gooders who always send you a charity card each year and for the first time this year are bringing your attention to the plight of the poor in this country like they're bloody UNICEF or something. They always make you feel so small and selfish and stupid too, like it's your fault. While none of that either. <laughs> and this year they put a stop to those big boys from the other side of the river coming over here in their boats and taking our sticklebacks, which admittedly up till now we've not had an interest in. But if it stops them making us admit we're completely stupid and self-centred xenophobes again, then good thing too. No, 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 no. For old acquaintance be forgot, my ass. there is no acquaintance. You can't even get into or out of Scotland or Wales anyway. And those bloody Europeans are good chums with the Irish. Huzzah for little England. We got our sovereignty back. There it is in a great big box. No, wait. Hang on, there's nothing in there. Whoa, Carrie, Dom, it's not fair. So that's all the bad arguments for faulty reasoning we have time for this year. Instead of our two-week break, we'll be taking a three-week break over Christmas and the New Year, so we'll be back on the 10th of January with a new episode, but you will be getting stuff in your feed from us between now and then, I promise. So... I'd like to thank my guest presenters for this episode, Frank and Rachel. I'd like to thank all of the presenters who've joined me in this period where Mark hasn't been able to join me on the show. He will be back soon, I promise, but I will have some more presenters and guests uh, in the meantime. So thank you to everyone who has listened to the show this year. Thank you for everyone who's been on the show and contributed in any way. Thanks to all the people who follow us on Facebook and Twitter and especially thanks to all of our patrons who we really couldn't do the show without. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash ftrump. Just like our straw man level patrons, Kaz Tuhi, Schmutz, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan and our true Scotsman-level top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much, everyone. We really appreciate your support. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outburst and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the dog. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye! <laughs>